Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host Travis and John. John, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Just finished a a great interview. Who do we have on today? Joshua Weiland. Yeah, he is a purple belt under Craig Jones at the B team in Austin, Texas. Uh, former high level collegiate wrestler, national state champ. Lots of accolades when it comes to wrestling. Um, and man, this conversation is so good. It's 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 cool talking to someone that is. You know, not a black belt, is an average everyday guy, but is trying to make his dreams come true through jujitsu. It's it's a great conversation. Yeah, it sounds like he's living his dream right now. Yeah. It's what are nice. some what is some stuff we covered today, John? Uh you know, he talks about um high level jujitsu practitioners, what it feels like to walk into a room. Um, you can imagine your your favorite people and then all of a sudden you're in there with them. Like, how does that feel? Uh, you know, he talks about the time he puts in. Um Working, moving, recovering from injuries—you can get a lot out of this. Yeah, it's 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 really good. I, I, I didn't want the whole conversation to be about B team, but I think there's a lot of value that can come from training with such high level guys, especially if you're listening at home and you're thinking about becoming a full time competitor or you want to do something similar. It's it's a very good conversation. Um, you know, especially going through a big injury like he had with his elbow, and then you know, it almost put a stop to him moving to to Austin, but he still pursued what, you know, what he wanted to. So, um, funny guy, you know, you could definitely tell Craig Jones is rubbing off on him. He's, he's mm-hmm. hilarious. Lots of jokes. He really doesn't take very much seriously at the first start of his answer, but then he, he goes into it. So, yeah, I think he had lots of good, um, details and probably some, some inspiration for some, uh, newer practitioners. Yeah. I think you guys will really enjoy this. If you guys want to go follow, uh, Josh, everything's going to be down in the description below. Be sure to check out our sponsors down in the description below the pinned comment on YouTube show. Uh, if you guys want to support, the best way to do it is is probably by supporting us through our sponsors. Um, and then, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. John, you got anything else? Nope. Enjoy the listen. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. And uh, let us know what you guys think. DS, DS, DM us on, <laughs> on Instagram or Facebook. So we'll catch you later, guys. Peace. Peace. Welcome, everyone. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Spring has sprung, and our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. They've already helped you tidy up all the nooks and crannies of your body's basement. But this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using code ETP20 to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. The Beard Hedger Pro Kit comes with a titanium-coated T-blades that are tough on the hair but smooth on the face, laid in a single-stroke efficiency that's satisfaction at one stroke at a time. I think these beard trimmer is phenomenal. They don't pull on my beard. They cut nice and smooth. It's one of the biggest game changers for my facial cleaning and, and regiment that uh, I have introduced. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I got to say, I, I love it. The, it's very precise. Yeah. I like the way I can get it as trimmed up and as clean, clean lines. I, I really enjoy that. Save 20% off and free shipping with the code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code ETP20 at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedger Pro Kit for the cleanest look in the game. Are you tired of waking up tired? Well, your pillow probably sucks, but it doesn't have to. I'd like to introduce you to Mummy, a bedding brand that is revolutionizing the sleep game with their innovative six-chamber pillow. Their patented six-chamber design secures the filling in place so their pillow never becomes lopsided or loses support. It also features a breathable mesh to keep you cool throughout the night. A better and more productive you starts with a better sleep. Go to mummy.com and use code ELBOSTIGHT for 15% off and free shipping. 
That's MVMISleep.com and use code ELBOWSTIGHT for 15% off and free shipping. With free shipping and free returns, there's no reasons not to try it. Let me give you some experience with the pillow. So for one, I've had a pillow that I've been using for 20 years. I know it sounds disgusting, but my entire household fights over my So we got this mummy pillow in, and I, I got to tell you, I love it. It's cool for one, and that's a big issue for me. I hate a hot pillow. Yep. You know, like you'd wake up throughout the night and you're flipping the thing. I love this pillow. I love the support. And, you know, I don't get much sleep with jujitsu being late and work. So yeah. I really appreciate anything I can get my hands on that's going to improve my sleep quality. Also, it doesn't feel like when I put my head down on the pillow, I'm getting caught up in a rear naked choke with the pillow just surrounding my head and whatnot. It's literally the most comfortable pillow I've ever used. I absolutely love it and I could not recommend it more. Sleep is the most important part of your recovery from jujitsu and, and with Mummy, they definitely have stepped my sleep game up quite a bit. With free shipping and free returns, there's no reason to not try it out. Get 15% off your order at mvmisleep.com when you use code elbows tight. That's 15% off when you use code elbows tight sleep ambitiously with mummy josh how's it going today man doing good how you doing man uh we are doing fantastic it's a beautiful sunday morning uh i had my cup of coffee john did you have coffee this morning i've had about five cups no. yeah. jesus yeah. christ yeah. <laughs> we had a sleepover last that. night so there's you know seven or eight kids in my house right now so. you you need that is that what you said <laughs> coffee drinker but like i have like maybe three a week but i might jump up to that schedule and start hitting five a day three a week yeah i don't drink a lot of coffee honestly that, wow that's, that's lot, impressive right? I... three a week that's not a lot no uh i think i drink like three in the morning yeah i should clarify it's not five a day for me it's just five in the morning i'll have a couple more at lunch and before we train not only that i'll drink like an energy drink i'll have uh I'll have like some our amino stuff, which has caffeine in it. Right. You know, I just like that, just nonstop. You know, just all all day. Uh, but that's what happens when you have kids. I mean, you're a young guy. Uh, I remember those days of not having kids, and now that I do, I need every bit of help I can get. I believe it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so, hey, but let's let's go ahead and uh, jump into who you are for the people that don't know who you are at home and kind of your background, how you got into jujitsu and everything. Oh, okay, yeah. So, um, yes, my name's Josh. I I started wrestling when I was fourth grade, um, I'm 24 now. So been, I was wrestling for about 14 years, uh, wrestled out my whole entire life. I um, end up going and wrestling about two years D1 at uh, Virginia Tech. And uh, after two years of wrestling, I went into jiu-jitsu and I fell in love with jiu-jitsu pretty quickly. Because it's kind of like wrestling, but I could choke people and try and break limbs. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, you know, something new, something fresh. Um, and so I started training jiu-jitsu for about two years. And then I uh, heard about the B team and heard about all these guys out here. And I wanted to be a world champion myself. So I was like, well, at the time I had a girlfriend. And I still have a girlfriend, the same girlfriend. And I told her, I was like, uh, we're going to Austin, Texas, babe. And uh, so pack your bags, relieve me. <laughs> <laughs> How was that uh, transition going from wrestling to jiu-jitsu? Did you feel like it was pretty natural? Um, it was super natural until I started running into leg locks. Um, mm. Yeah, like between white and blue belt, all the tournaments I was entering, I was pretty much crushing them, you know, winning Nagas, New Breeds, all these tournaments like around the local area. And then once I started getting to higher level and started running into leg locks, I was like, oh, this isn't 
natural anymore. I'm not familiar right. with this world. So I'd say it was natural. And so, you know, I started to venture into the higher levels. And then I was like, okay, I need to start learning uh, a lot of higher level technique. Yeah, start plugging those holes in the game. Exactly. Dude, I'll tell you what, when we have somebody show up in class or they're new and they have that wrestling background, I know I'm good for like probably the first couple months. <laughs> yeah. Because they don't know all the submissions. Yeah, yet. you're getting caught in gear. But once they get that dialed in, I'm done. I'm <laughs> toast. Like, <laughs> when they get both of those married up, uh, like I'm done. <laughs> what do you feel like was the the biggest hurdle when you first started jujitsu coming from wrestling? Not banging on your back? Honestly, so when I was really, really little, my, my dad did a little bit of jiu-jitsu. So, like, I would roll around on the mat a little bit in jiu-jitsu when I was little. Uh, little in, like, middle school. Nothing serious. Wouldn't go to any practices or anything. You know, I'll just roll around with him. So I kind of had the, had the basic concept of, like, being on my back. And for some reason, I really wasn't the guy that, like, coming from wrestling, it, like, freaked me out to be on my back. Maybe because I was always on my back in wrestling. Um, <laughs> um, but... Yeah, no, so I think the the hardest transition was just in the beginning was knowing knowing when I was in danger. Um, like, I would be in positions that I would be used to thinking I was in control, and then turns out I'm actually just venturing into a submission uh, and probably leg locks. Those two things were, like, what I needed to figure out in the beginning. Did you... So you did you start training off in gi or was it straight no gi from the very beginning? I wish it was no gi from the very beginning, but unfortunately it was not. <laughs> um, I had a dreadful year of training in the gi, and that was when I first got introduced into jiu-jitsu fresh out of college wrestling. There was uh, I wrestled at Virginia Tech out in Blacksburg, Virginia, and at the time I went training at a gym called Tech MMA out in Christiansburg, and they were a gi-only gym. Awesome gym, really cool people, but I was like, I guess I got to train the gi. And so I started training the gi, and I hated it, but I really had no other choice. So I, for the first year, I trained in the gi. Did you hate how much that slowed you down? Because that's what I commonly hear when we have the wrestlers show that's, up. Like, it just feels like they're stuck, and they can't move, and they hate that's it. That's exactly what it was. I mean, I, I, that's actually how I met my girlfriend. I rolled with her at this gym. And she was controlling me with my gi, and I was confused. I was like, <laughs> listen, we're never going to talk about this again. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. It was it just slowing me down. You know, being a wrestler, I like to scramble. I like to move around. And someone gets a hold of that gi, it's just like, wow, this is a game changer. Yeah, definitely. It's it's so funny when, when you first start off in the gi, <clears throat> Because, you know, there's the danger of there's a grip everywhere. There's there's some there's some way someone can control you everywhere. You know what I mean? And you're like not even expecting like you mentioned your your girlfriend just had a just had a, a grip on your knee and you're like, What is going on here? Like yeah. is, did you take like take my leg with you? Like yeah. when you were when you was that the first time you rolled with her or Yeah, that was the first time I rolled with her. Um don't don't tell her this, but I think I put it on her. You know, I threw her. You know, I was doing all my wrestling moves. So uh, her story may be a little. You thought? Yeah, her story may be a little different than mine, but um, yeah, she was she was a blue belt at the time. She's a purple belt now, but she was a blue belt at the time, and I was just first first day white belt. You know, wrestlers going super hard, just trying, yep. you know, going crazy, <laughs> and I'm, people chugging me with my gi. I'm just confused, but yeah, that was the first time I rolled with her. It's so funny when 
you you roll with a, a woman for the first time, especially someone with experience, you know, being a blue belt, uh, she probably had a, a year or two, you know, training, maybe more. And so you're like sitting there like, I don't care. She's a woman. Like it's, yeah. it's not going to be that hard. We have a 16 year old girl that we constantly talk about in our on our podcast. Her name's Riley. Sh- shout out to Riley. She listens to. Uh, but, you know, guys will come in and they'll see this small 16 year old girl and they'll think, OK, well, this will be a restaurant for me. No. She puts it on you, bro. Yeah. Like it's it's she's a blue belt at 16 years old for a reason. Like she is no joke. Like uh we always talk about too like you know, I could I could use my size and like really put like physical strength and you know all those attributes into the role, but I feel like that's not going to benefit either one of us. Yeah. So we have to be like super technical with her. Otherwise, you're going to get a forearm across the throat. You're going to Yeah. Gonna, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden you're going to she'll be on your back. Like it's it's so crazy how it happens. You, you have this idea of like I'm a man. I can I can control any woman. And then the first one you roll with the jiu-jitsu, you're like Wait, what? Yeah, they're so flexible too. Like his legs and arms are just coming from weird mm-hmm. angles. I'm just like, all right, I'm taking this round off. <laughs> so, what was your first class like, and what made you actually decide to start pursuing it? Um, so to be honest, I when I stopped wrestling, I was planning on transferring to a different school to wrestle, and I had a semester to finish uh, that year of school before I could transfer. And so within like a week of me stop wrestling, it was, it was like a major choice in my life to stop wrestling. At the time I've been doing it for like 14, 15 years. Uh, within like a week, I instantly missed the grind. You know, I instant, I instantly missed, you know, having little, a sore elbow, sore this, sore that. I just missed that whole feeling instantly. So like, I was like, I have to go do something. And so I went, when I went and entered my first class, it was, um, it was fun because I did it with a buddy. You, you always got to do your first class with a buddy. You know, it's just, yeah. that's just how it works. And so I had a buddy of mine, his um, name was Peyton, and we go there together. And we're like, listen, you know, he was a wrestler, too. He didn't wrestle in college, but he was a good wrestler in high school. We're like, we're going to go here. We're going to teach all these guys a lesson. Um, we're going to go We're going to go own this room today. Wrong. Wrong. Um, <laughs> and so we went in there, and we could, we could handle just about everyone, honestly. Because it, uh, I, I could for the most part, he could too. But then once you start venturing into like the purple belts um, and the gi, we, uh, we we were just getting choked, and um, and so it was fun and it was a little frustrating at the same time because of the gi and just getting choked with my own gi. I was like, all right, I'm having fun, but at the same time, I'm busted. <laughs> you know, Nikki Rod just talked about that on uh, the the. Lex Freeman podcast yeah. about when he first joined jujitsu, it was obviously Nogi and he could assert his dominance one. Cause he's a, a physical specimen. Yeah. And then two, you know, he has a high level Jersey wrestling background too. Do you think it would have been different if you would have started off in Nogi? Like you probably might've been more successful. Um, I think so. Um, I, within, after that first year, I started to get serious with jujitsu. So I immediately moved to a gym that was Nogi. Um, but that first year, honestly, it was, I don't think it was a bad thing doing it in the gi because, you know, for the first year, I'm just learning basics anyway, you know, so I'm not getting anything too technical and anything I would have learned my first year as a no gi competitor, like if I was, had no background in wrestling, everything I would have learned my first year in no gi probably would have been stuff I've already learned in wrestling, you know, it's basic movement and how to use your body, stuff like that. So I don't think I lost too much ground at all, really. Um, 
But I still wish I never saw the sight of a geek. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like there was anything that came from the geek training that kind of still sticks with you now that you're pro- predominantly or mainly uh, no geek that you, you kind of now you kind of attribute to that, that year of geek training? Probably only nightmares at night. It's probably what's been carried over. Um, but if I had to make up something, it would probably... No, I'm joking. It, it would be probably problem-solving skills. Um, I think being in the gi, you definitely have to problem-solve more, especially for me, because if I just went straight into no gi, I would be in an environment that I'm comfortable in, right? Like, this is familiar with me. I know how to move. But by having that first year in the gi, it kind of started to open up my mind of like, you know, in these positions, I just need to learn how to problem solve. And because I was experiencing something new, it kind of opened up that that path for the rest of my jiu-jitsu career to be like, you know, you're going to come in situations where you can't just brute force your way through or strength, strength your, use your strength to get out of that you need to actually problem solve. So I think the gi helped me to kind of open up that mindset of having to problem solve it. Position that I simply wasn't used to. Was it um different that going into jujitsu there was no really like weight class? You just train with whoever's in there, yes. regardless of size. I'm glad you said that because I that did throw me off. Because uh, it's, <laughs> it's like, here, roll with this. I still don't understand. 250. I roll with Mickey Rod almost every week, and I'm just like, how is this even allowed? Um, <laughs> and so like. Uh, yes, when I, I remember I went to jiu-jitsu and some dude's like, hey, are you going to enter the absolute division? And I'm like, what is that like, you know, extra reward or something? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's like all the weight classes. I'm like, why would I do that? Like, <laughs> what's the point of that? And um, so that threw me off because, you know, everyone has a mindset of like, oh, you know, technique should be, should be superior to size. It is to a certain extent. I mean, yeah. I can... Take that! I have the ability. I feel like to take down just about anyone, but it's pretty hard to take down Nicky Rod because he's huge, right? And he's also good at wrestling. So when someone is has good skill and they're also big, you know, it's going to throw you off. So yes, that that did really. Uh, that was a curveball to me. Yeah, when I wrestled in high school, I had one of my good friends. Uh, I remember during practice one day, I was like, "Hey, uh, Manny, you want to like train together today?" And you know, obviously in wrestling, he was like a in 200s or like maybe like a 187 or something like that and uh i was a 119 he's like no i don't want to train with you like i'm fucking huge compared to you why would i do that but in jujitsu like you just mentioned it's it's that mindset of like i want to train with the bigger person because it's going to produce more difficulties for me to figure out and to problem solve like you said and it's such a unique aspect to our sport even even you hear it when people like watch mma or something like that and they're like wait there's an absolute division yeah you mean to tell me this 250 pound guy is going to go against a 135 pound guy like watching uh mikey roll against that like 260 pound guy where he was literally forearm across the face and he won the match yeah like where where not that's not gonna happen to MMA. Yeah, you know what I mean? Well it might either. Like not even close. Like I, I yeah. remember in the wrestling and like in practice and stuff, if someone was like ten pounds bigger than you, it was like a big deal. It was like right. if you lost to someone in the practice room or in tournament and you were like, Oh, the guy was ten pounds bigger than me, like the whole community'd be like, Oh, oh, okay, like you know, <laughs> and that doesn't count, obviously. Makes sense. Yeah, like and jujitsu it's just like no one cares. And I'm like <laughs> All right, I guess I gotta stop caring too. 
Do you think that kind of produces a different mindset in jujitsu competitors that you don't see in wrestlers? Like, I'm not saying wrestlers would make the excuse of like the guy was bigger than me, but very often we kind of, like you mentioned, we don't, we don't necessarily say that like we do, but in the jujitsu community, it's kind of more of like, well, that's not an excuse. Yeah. yeah, they got, well, and you quickly realize, you know, they're full of shit when you're like first going, they're like technique beats everything. If yeah. your technique's better. No, no. My technique could be good. I mean, it could be better than theirs. But if they got me by 85 pounds, yeah. guess what? That's going to make the difference. Yeah. I mean, that's what allows me to sleep at night when I get beat up by Nick Urod. I just tell myself he's, <laughs> right, right. he's bigger than me. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, exactly. If, if he was my yeah. same size, it wouldn't be close. You know, and I hope, I hope he hears this. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think people... I think it's because you're allowed to do stuff like leg locks and it's like little, you know, it's like, I, I don't, people's mindset in jiu-jitsu is, yeah, you're big, but if I can get all my weight to like focus in on your foot, I can break it. And so like the weight shouldn't matter. But uh, I, I agree with you as far as like, yeah, if my technique's better than yours, but you're like 80 pounds bigger than me, I'm not gonna be able to do so much. And then on top of that, if our technique is the same, and you're bigger yeah. than me, then I might as well just tap out now before the match even starts. Like, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. When the techniques are pretty much the same, but some person's 80 pounds heavier, you know, that's, that's just hard to overcome. Yeah, but I mean, but you yeah. see absolute and ADCC, and you see you do see mm-hmm. guys that are smaller, uh, Lachlan Giles, uh, you know, submitting monsters. And so, yeah, you know, I think the leg lock game has definitely kind of closed that gap a little bit where like maybe bigger than me, but if I can get to your legs somehow, I can probably submit you. So, you know, it's all just depends on the individual, I think. So how did you end up at B team? So, um, what, when I, when I transferred, I'll go ahead and start when I transferred from the first jiu-jitsu gym to my second jiu-jitsu gym, my first jiu-jitsu gym, the one that was gi only, at Tech MMA, it was more of a hobbyist gym. Um, we did have a guy come out of there who went to the UFC. His name is Tony Gravely. Um, he was like my go-to training partner there. And um, so we had good guys there, but it, it was still a hobbyist gym. And it was still gi. And I real quick, I wanted to be the best in wrestling. Uh, I was able to get a lot of accolades in wrestling, but like I always wanted to be like Olympic champion. And so when I started doing jiu-jitsu, I was like, well, obviously I want to be an 80-60 champion now. And so I heard of the gym that was like 20 minutes, 30 minutes away from Tech MMA. And they were no gi, uh, a gym called Team Manning. And the instructor there was a black belt directly under Henzo Gracie. And they had a, quite a few guys that were like a, like full-time competitors uh, in no gi. And once I caught wind of that, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm out of here. Um, and I say, I say it a little rudely, but I left on good terms, obviously, you know, I talked to the guy, we were all, we're all friends there. I was like, Hey, you know, I really want to train Nogi and these guys have Nogi, but unfortunately they were rival gyms. So, um, I was like, listen, I, I really need to get better. And I really need to train Nogi. That's where the money is going to be at in the future. That's where the sport's heading. I, I need to train Nogi. And he understood. So, um, I ended up going to that gym and training there and because everyone were were, they were full-time competitors they were really in touch with um the dds squad at the time you know they were they were talking about the dds squad nicky rod gordon craig all them and so when i got to this new gym is when i really started to learn about all these 
new grapplers like Nicky Rod and all them. And I was like, well, so these, so these guys are the best. And they're like, yeah. And so I trained at this new gym for about two years. Um, got tremendously um, better quickly. I was learning leg locks. I was learning. My first class there, I actually got my foot broke because, um, yeah, at my old gym, the gi only, they didn't do foot lock, uh, leg locks. They didn't do heel hooks. My first day at this new gym, they did heel hooks. And uh, I come in there. I'm like, once again, I'm like, oh, I'm a wrestler. I'm coming here to dominate everyone. And this black belt, Miles Williams, shout out to Miles, he's a stud. Um, he like heel hooks me and breaks my foot. And I'm just like, okay, I need to learn leg locks now. Um, so I started training there for two years and I started to win Nagas and new breeds and stuff. I was winning those in the black belt divisions. Um, and I was like, I, I really need, if I want to be the best in the world, I need to go train with the best. And cause I was fortunate enough to train with the best throughout my wrestling career, the best in the world. And so I told my girlfriend, I was like, Hey, and I sat her down. I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, she was still in college at the time. It was her last year. And I was like, I'll wait for you to finish school. I'll finish out this semester. And when you finish, I'm moving to Austin, Texas. You can come with me or you can stay here. Um, and so she was like, obviously I'm coming with you. And she really, she was at, she did jitsu and she was also an MMA fighter. So she kind of knows the whole game. She understands everything. So I lucked out with her big time. And, uh, she, she was like, I'm going to go with you. So I was like, all right, let's do this. I want to be the best in the world. I'm going to move out to Austin. I told my family, I'm going out to Austin, told everyone. And everyone was like, this is a horrible idea. Don't do this. You need to stay in college. You need to go, you know, work in an office somewhere, nine to five. Like, don't do this. And I was just like, listen, that's not me. Like, I'm going to make this happen somehow. So um, I worked at Chipotle for like two years, saved up money. Uh, while I dropped out of college, worked at Chipotle, saved up money for about two years, and then moved out to Austin um, and got a job here instantly because my money was running low. Uh, and I started training here. But um, I guess a key detail I did leave out was a two, about three weeks before I was supposed to move to Austin. I was super excited. I'm like, guys, I'm going to be an ADCC champ. I'm out of here. Like, let's go. I get my elbow completely blown out just blown out i had to get have to mm. get surgery i got caught in a uh, a kimura in practice and i tried to limp arm out so obviously my palm swabbing skills still need some work because that was not a smart choice and so i limp arm out <laughs> the kimura blows my ucl completely tears everything have to get tommy john surgery and i'm like what do i do now like i can't even roll I, it was a year-long uh rehab and I was like, well, I'm still going. <laughs> I'm still going, guys. And so I went out there, and I just once I got there, I just like sat in the room for like five months watching the guys roll, and couldn't even get on the mat, which made me want to kill myself. Like it was horrible. But that's uh, that's kind of how I got there. So in your in your story, you mentioned the accolades that you received from wrestling you know your national champs and, and all that stuff and then your your jujitsu accolades of winning nagas and stuff like that what do you think uh is equivalent to like winning a state champion or winning your national champion to you in jujitsu besides adcc uh that's a good question i never thought about that um that's tough i i'd say winning like a naga in a good area. Like winning a Naga here in Austin is a lot harder than winning a Naga somewhere else. 
Because you have people from B Team, New Wave, Tenth Planet, everyone all entering these Nagas. And it's like, why am I wrestling? Why am I grappling Oliver Taza and Naga? Like, and so, uh, <laughs> um, I'd say winning a Naga in a tough area would be equivalent to winning a state title in high school. Uh, and then I'd say making it to the second day. Or, yeah, I'd say making it to the second day at ADCC Trials or maybe meddling at an IBJJF, something like that. It's like equivalent to All-American at a, at a national tournament in high school. And then I'd say win, uh, winning ADCC Trials is like winning a national title in college. And then I'd say winning ADCs is like winning an Olympic title in wrestling. Yeah, I, I, I would say the ADCC, right? We do say that's the Olympics of our or of grappling um and so very few people actually actually get to win uh when when you walked into um b team and you know you have this mindset of like i want to be a adcc champion like you you think you know kind of what you need to do but then you walk into a place like b team and you just see absolute studs everywhere the level of talent is just phenomenal what was that experience like was it kind of like sobering like man uh, I need a lot of work, or was it like I can't wait to 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 get this going? Um, I was terrified. I um, <laughs> I true story. My first day walking in there, I like I have a problem. I have a problem like finding the place. I'm, I don't even know where I'm at. And I'm like, well, walking to this building, I'm like venturing around. I come around the corner and I see the like B team mural on the wall in the door. And I walk up to the door and I'm like literally like so nervous that I turn around and I walk away and I walk back outside the building. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, which is not like me at all. I'm very confident. I'm very like easygoing, easy to get along with. Like I never really get too nervous for like things like that. For some reason I was like, right when I went to go open up the door, it was when I realized like, oh shit, I'm here. You know, like I didn't even realize yeah. it until I was about to open the door. And everything was like flashed in my head. Like, wow, I've been studying these guys' films. I've been watching these guys on TV, ADCC. I didn't realize that until I was about to walk in. And, um, and of course, you know, thoughts start coming in your head. Like, am I worthy to be here? Are they going to kick me out? Like, am I not good enough? Like, you know, all those thoughts start running to your head. So I walked out. I took a deep breath and I was like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to crush everyone. Turn around, walk in. Uh, <laughs> I, I walk in there and to answer your question, it was, it was humbling. I, I, I don't want to use the word humbling because deep down inside, I am already humble and I've been humbled numerous amount of times throughout wrestling. So like, I wouldn't say humbled. I was more, I guess, like you said, just ready to learn. You know, I was antsy. I was like, even though like when I walked in there, my arm was all jacked up. I'm like, I'm going to watch these guys and learn as much as possible. They know way more than me. They're way better than me at jiu-jitsu. I'm just going to come in here, and I'm excited to learn. So I'd say I was probably more excited to learn than I was, like, I guess, humbled or, you know, nervous. I was... It was more like a sobering moment, yeah, I guess you yeah, would yeah, say, yeah. right? Like, Yeah, John John had a, a major shoulder surgery. He just came out of for about a year ago, and uh, he was, you know, he was itching to get back on the mat for a little bit, too. Shoulders are Yeah, but you had to... Did you not feel like... Uh, just rusty after all that time off and then getting on it or did it seem easier to you to like learn or learn new stuff because you had that long mental break mm, it's good you say that because it was definitely it was definitely a thought that uh i had was like 
when I finally get to come back, because obviously I have to prove myself, right? Uh, for the longest time, they didn't accept anyone below a purple belt. Um, I, I'm a purple belt, and I was purple belt at the time when I got here. And so, but in my head, I'm like, I have to prove myself. I have to show them I'm good. And that was my thought. I was like, well, when I come back, I'm going to be so rusty. I'm going to be so tired. My cardio is going to be horrible. Like, they're going to think I suck when it's like, right. I, I'm just... I haven't rolled in like eight months, you know? And so, um, I was supposed to be off the mat for like six months, but like three months <laughs> in, I was already on the mat. So, uh, Hey John. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I tried it. I was like, all right, I need to take the other months off. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I guess I was, I was, I was obviously my cardio was bad, but I was rusty, but I typically could knock off the rust pretty, uh, pretty quickly. Was there any major injuries that you went through through wrestling that kind of prepared you for this elbow injury? Yes. Um, I've had, mm, I guess, two major surgeries. But uh, and when wrestling through middle school and high school, in middle school, I tore my meniscus for the first time um, when I was, like, in eighth grade. Uh, I tore my meniscus three times uh the third time, it locked my leg out, and I couldn't move it, so I had to get surgery. And they just took my meniscus completely out of my right knee. Um, and I've torn my LCL, my MCL, uh, broken bones, torn stuff in my hand. I've just pretty much I uh, messed up my shoulder. I've jacked up everything, but the only major surgery I had was my meniscus leading up to my elbow. And that was my philosophy coming into my elbow. It was like, I've been through this before. Uh, when I tore my meniscus, I thought, I remember when I got the news and I, uh, I was going to be off the mat for like seven months. I cried. I was like, Oh my God, I'm never going to wrestle again. Like, this is horrible. Um, and so when I hurt my elbow, I was like, you know, I've been through this before. I'll be fine. This year is going to fly by like this. You know, I like wrote notes to myself and put it on the wall that like, I was going to heal faster than anyone else in the world. I was going to, you know, be back on the mat faster than the doctor told me. Like I just kind of just wrote mental notes to myself because I'm a big believer in like, kind of like, uh, like brainwashing yourself almost. Like if I believe this is going to heal faster, then it probably will. So I told myself that every day, and uh, and I was actually back in the mat faster. My elbow feels amazing. I'm like trying to order deer antler and everything online from when Ray Lewis tore his shoulder. I was like, Where, "Where's this stuff at? I need to get some of this." I think I think Ray Lewis took a little bit more than deer antler to recover from an injury. He, no, he probably he was on the same as Conor antler. McGregor. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that helps. Yeah. Um, so when when you sign up for B team, is there like a? I know it's they're very selective. Like you just mentioned, for the longest time they only accepted purple and above. And then they slowly start. Now they have a white belt program. Was it like you had to be interviewed by them or was it like, how did the whole joining process go? Yeah. So, um, being, being a wrestler has given me a lot of opportunities. Uh, probably I don't deserve, but for some reason in jujitsu, when people hear you're a wrestler, they're like, Oh, this, you know, awesome. And so I walk in there and, uh, JB is running the front desk. Uh, shout out to JB, he's one of my best friends. Super cool guy. If it wasn't for JB, my experience joining the B team probably would have been a little more rocky. But BT, um, JB made it so smooth. Uh, I come in and JB's like, I'm, obviously I'm wearing a wrestling shirt. That was all part of the plan. And so <laughs> I'm like wearing a wrestling shirt. And I come in and, and JB's like, oh, you're a wrestler? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, oh, cool. Like, we're definitely going to get you here. We don't want you going the new wave. 
like um and so he's like you know already throwing shade already throwing shade. Like, you're not going the new wave you know uh, and so i was like all right and um so the the whole process was jb kind of made it feel like i was already in you know but i kind of still had to go through the process which is for everyone who joins there you have like a monthly evaluation from all the instructors like ethan nikki rod craig damian nikki ryan j rod all those guys at the time nick ortiz was there um you have a month where they kind of evaluate you and how good you are believe it or not like the, the biggest thing they care about more than anything is are you fun to be around you know are, are you are you someone who you know people can trust are you are you funny are you fun to be around are you are you some weirdo or creep you know like and so that was kind of the biggest thing i found out that like they really just cared about who you were as a person and then like your skill and technique kind of came after that and so after a month uh I got an email from uh, Seth, um, who's like one of the owners of the gym. He um, he's like, hey man, you know everything's good. You're in. Like all the guys love you. Like come in tomorrow practice. We'll take a picture of you. We'll put your picture in the wall. And I was like, all right, sweet, let's go. <laughs> hey everyone, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped, and I have a public service announcement. Manscaped now has beard products, and it's going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead and tell the world the leader in below-the-waist grooming or traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary grooming product. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all of the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using our code ETP20 for 20% off plus free shipping. It all starts with the cordless electric beard hedger. The waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard. So no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons absolutely love the beard hedge trimmer it is phenomenal all the accessories that come with it and the design of the beard hedge trimmer it's it's phenomenal i can't i can't recommend it enough my face and my beard have never felt better agreed and i mean just having that dial and being able to adjust oh, it dude, phenomenal great. Absolutely yeah. love it. So get 20% off and free shipping with our code ETP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using code ETP20. Always use the right tools to, for the job with Manscaped. Was it intimidating? Like you didn't want to seem fake. What You know what I mean? Like you want to warm up to these guys. But, you know, you obviously we look up to these people. And when you see them in person and you're trying to show that you're like not a dweeb, you know what I mean? Like was it intimidating? Um. Yeah, I think it's a, for me, it wasn't hard to do this. I think for most, for anyone who's listening to this, who's trying to come to the B team or wants to come drop in anything, it's definitely hard because, you know, like, like you said, you want to impress the people there. But you don't want to fall into the trap of not being yourself. And so yeah. it's a hard trap to fall into. For me, it wasn't because I've kind of already, I've always been part of a team my whole life. And at some point, I was a freshman going on to a college wrestling team where, everyone there's studs and national all-americans so i kind of had to do this process before and um it's it's definitely uh tricky because like you said you want to be yourself the, f the first thing I, to I told myself when i walk in is i'm not going to ask anyone for pictures when I'm, here. Um, I'm not going to ask you not yet not yet and so for like the first few months i didn't ask anyone for a picture nothing because in my head i was like one, I know everyone always comes in here and asks me for pictures. And two, 
I'll, I'll, I'm, you know, it's like I'm their teammates now. Like I'm their, I'm their teammate. You know, so like I don't want to look at them as like excluded from the room. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to look at them as like, oh, like that's Craig Jones. Like no, like we're all teammates now. So like I kind of, I, I was, it was really easy for me to be myself. And I think because of that, we, uh, I made connections with those guys and friendships those guys pretty quickly, quickly that quicker than I thought I would. And so, unfortunately for me, it went pretty smooth. So don't go in there and just try to submit everyone as hard as you can. Yeah, yeah. Ease, ease in. Probably you know, be idea. yourself. <laughs> just enjoy the moment. Just catch and release. <laughs> catch and release. What, what is what is class like? How how is class ran at at B team? Do you guys do like a traditional warm up, or is it straight into technique? And then how how does the whole class five go? Um. So I go every day at uh 12 o'clock noon which is uh where when all the pros train there uh i was actually just hired as an instructor there uh like two weeks ago i teach wrestling classes oh congratulations yeah so i used to just train at 12 noon but now i have to come in the evening some days to teach but as far as the noon classes those are the ones i uh go to you you come in you know if you want to warm up you just get there a little early uh, there's normally, you know, JB people normally they're playing spike ball or something. And, um, we kind of just go straight into technique. Uh, once the clock hits 12, uh, either Nikki Rod, Nikki Ryan, one of the guys are teaching, we'll go straight into technique. We'll do, um, some sort of position that everyone kind of needs to work on. And we'll do that for about 30, 45 minutes. And uh, after 45 minutes of technique, we normally go into positional rounds like mount turtle, 50-50, some sort of positional rounds. We'll do three positional rounds, and then it goes into open mat, and uh, uh, all the goes are 10-minute rounds, which that took uh, some getting used to. Wow. <laughs> so that took, I'm still getting used to it, uh, but that's typically how it goes. And afterwards, here recently, like me and Nikki Rod and some of the guys, we're doing some sort of like little workout right after practice. Uh, just something, you know, kind of get the mental edge. Uh, Craig Joan recently said when he rolls with people, uh, especially ones that he doesn't know, he tries to ma- try to make it like fun. That way, it breaks that that ice of like, oh my god, it's Craig Jones. I need to I need to try my hardest. I need to impress him and stuff like that. Is he like that during like your guys' actual practice tour? Is it is it more of he's actually trying like if he's preparing for a competition or something like that? I don't think I've ever seen Craig take one thing seriously, even his role. <laughs> I'm like over here going balls to the wall, getting slammed by Nicky. He's Rod. like twerking on you. I like look over and Craig's just chilling, rolling with someone, like just chilling. And I'm like still dominating, but I'm just like, yeah, this guy just typically doesn't take anything too too serious. Um, so it is true that it, even the when he does roll live, it isn't it normally isn't that crazy unless he's going Nicky Rod. Whenever he goes Nicky Rod, it gets, it gets pretty intense. But uh, with anyone else, he's normally pretty chill and i don't know whether it's because he's being chill or because uh we suck so bad he doesn't have to go hard so i'm trying to decide <laughs> which one it is you know we we had uh nathan orchard come to our gym mm-hmm. and do a seminar for us and that was our first experience rolling with someone at that level and it was mind-boggling. I don't even know if I'd call it rolling at least not for him <laughs> i'm sure he was yeah like, it was know. like mind-boggling like the yeah. the you're rolling with this person and you're like, dude, like I 
I, there's like absolutely nothing I would ever do to you that would make you even second guess being in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how, how was that experience rolling with like Nikki, Rod, Nikki, Ryan, Ethan, Craig Jones? How, how was that all when you first started? So with people my size, I can typically put up a pretty good fight only because I mean, when I was wrestling in college, I was wrestling with Olympians and world champions. And believe it or not, I mean, if I had to say, I'd say those rounds were harder um, because just how physical wrestling is. When you roll with like an Olympic champion or a world medalist, like I'll roll with um, Frank Molinero and Jared Freyer. They're both Olympians. Um, it would be miserable. Like I remember I, I got like pretty much I got waterboarded one time in practice. Um, with like a sweaty shirt. Sweat. Yeah, like he's wrapped this he's wrapped his shirt around my face and I couldn't breathe. And like I'm just being told to fight off my back. So like I was kinda used to that mentality coming into the B team. And so in my head I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna see anything I've never seen before or felt anything I've never felt before. And so that's typically how it, that's how it went. Like obviously I was getting submitted by um the better guys. But I could pretty much take down everyone um, because I, my, I, my wrestling definitely felt better. Um, and so I'll, I could definitely take him down and, like, wear him out on my feet. And then once we got to the ground, that's when it got interesting. You know, like, I'd get to the ground and I'd, I'd be getting submitted. And, um, you know, some rounds I wouldn't get submitted. Sometimes I could kind of just fight up, fight him off somehow for 10 minutes. But um, when, when they decide to pick it up on you, like people like Ethan, I remember the first time I went with Ethan Krillistein, it was like, I did not expect this man to be this strong. Like he got me in mm. mount and I couldn't get out for like eight minutes. Like this dude just smothered me. He would take my back. And so some rounds would be better than others, but I would say nothing was too like, like blew my mind. Like, whoa, like this guy's just super, super good. So I kind of expected them to already be good, and I already expected myself to get submitted. So when it was happening, I wasn't like caught off guard or anything. Yeah, that that was probably we didn't compete at a high level. So you, like you mentioned, you experiencing like those high level wrestlers. Like you already, you've already already had that experience. To yeah. So when you meet someone like them, it's like. Okay, well, I've been here, yeah, but yeah. you know, it's like it's it's it, but it's it, it's so it's so interesting too, because in your story, you mentioned not getting submitted, and then sometimes getting submitted to around lasting ten minutes and being a dominant, uh, and being dominant. What is a a victory in training look like for you now compared to when you first started? That's that's a really it's a really good question. So I've probably been at the B team for about eight nine months now. Um, Probably six of those months or five of those months have actually been rolling. Probably about six, seven months have been rolling. So I was sitting out for about three months when I first got here. And I guess right now, mm, either I haven't been able to submit in any of the good any of the instructors. I'm 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 not uh I'm not near that yet. But so that's definitely that would be a victory, but I'm not there. I I guess <laughs> a, a a victory now would be getting out of bad positions that I normally would be stuck in, like um, having Ethan Krillistein on your back is the most miserable thing you can experience. Um, and so whenever, and it, now whenever I can get out of his back control, I, I like, I come home and I party 
it's like uh <laughs> it's like you know this was an amazing thing give yourself I, a high five yeah, dude, i'm like let's <laughs> let's go and so you know so that's kind of how it is now and escaping bad positions um giving them good goes you know like i said people around my size like me ethan nikki ryan j ride i roll with ethan a lot roll j rod a lot like whenever we just have a battle you know like like we're just battling like that's a victory in, in my mind right because obviously i'm not going to roll with these guys to work my technique you know i'll roll with someone who i know i can be to work my technique so whenever i roll with those guys like i'm just trying to battle uh because I'm trying to give them a good go. Because they're normally getting ready for a good, a big competition, a big match. So I want to be able to push them. And if I'm able to push them, escape out of bad positions, um, get my takedowns. Because I can normally get my takedowns pretty consistently. I consider that a win in my book. Even if I get submitted 50 times, I go home and I tell myself I won. So it's that feeling of, you know, being competitive. Like, being competitive. God, sometimes uh, yes. we'll roll with our, our buddy Cody and, like, you know, I can't even make him sweat. And I'm like, you know, so that's when I'll feel the worst. <laughs> yeah. Like, can't even give somebody a good roll just so, you know, so outmatched. You're like, I'm such a terrible training partner. I did nothing <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to yeah, do now. As long as, like, as I can give them a good go, I feel like yeah, it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you expected to compete? since you train at B team, like, is that part of like being a member is like you, especially training at noon now with the, the pro teams, are you expected to compete? Yes. Um, uh, we have, we have people who don't compete, but a lot of our guys do compete. Everyone pretty, pretty much competes, especially if they think you're good, especially if like, you know, they roll with you and they think you're good or you were a good wrestler. They're, they're, hundred percent like go like when you're competing you know what what do you have coming up like you know they want you to compete um and so i i, I never I, I couldn't say i was pressured to compete because i was already wanting to compete so no one had to convince me to uh compete but uh I, I don't really see them pressuring anyone to compete for the most part everyone who comes there like drop their whole life to come here so i assume they all want to compete and they do so yeah, I'd say everyone, I'd say about 80% of the guys there and girls compete. Since you guys just picked up that new white belt program, um, what what do you expect to happen to these people that are coming to you guys from like day one? Because there's there's so much talent there. Are like, are you expecting like a homegrown like ADC champion or like how how are you guys looking at at having these white belts finally? Honestly, it, it, I have my own opinion and thought on that like it's very interesting because like I, I can see the the positive on both sides as far as having like a super exclusive gym and then having a gym that's now open to white belts and blue belts i can see you know the pros and cons of both sides um i think for the future of jiu-jitsu it's it's really good i, I think having white belts and people coming here and be able to learn high level jujitsu and then spread it out throughout the rest of the community when they get, you know, when they get their higher belts and then they move somewhere, open up their own gym and they're all under Craig Jones or Nicky Rod or Nicky Ryan. Now, all it is is going to uh, evolutionize the sport even more and even faster. And so I, I think it's a good thing. Um, but I, I think definitely, especially the pros, uh, like Craig Jones and all of them, uh, I guess the white belts, um, program is separate from the noon classes. Like the white belts aren't allowed to train in the noon classes, 
so it isn't really a problem that they run into as far as like not having space or having white belts hurt people, stuff like that. So I think as long as they keep it separate for a while, it, it's it's going to be a pretty good thing. Just you know, to share the the, the knowledge of jiu-jitsu that these guys have at this gym. I think it's just going to help the sport more. I'm sure the white belts want to be separate from you guys. <laughs> yeah. They're going to be like, I don't, do not want to be on that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Give me a couple years first. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, that'd be a, an eye-opening experience for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, can I just watch? Distance? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true, though. Like, it's when I'm sure you, like you mentioned, too, like when you first start off and you roll with like someone a higher level and you just, it could be demoralizing. It really can, oh, yeah. you know, it can really set it. You can handle it two ways. You can be like motivated to like, man, I can't wait to get that good. Or you could be like, dude, I have so far to go. Why am I even starting? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what is your perspective on, uh, kind of, I don't, I don't want to say like turning it up on white belts, but how, how do you view training with white belts to give them the best opportunity? Um, I try to kill them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I was like, I, I prefer that. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, me personally, it depends on like the white belt. Yeah, like, yeah. if I know the yes. white belt's got some skill, you have to know who you're rolling with. Um, yeah, you have to know because I mean, I've come across some white belts and blue belts that are like ready to scrap, dude. Like they're ready to scrap, and so uh, I don't. I wouldn't say I take it easy on white belts, but I'm. I'm I'm not as physical, you know what I mean? Like I don't have to get physical with white belts. I can submit them 50 times, and they don't have a mark on them anywhere. You know what I mean? It's like you kind of work your technique. You work what you've been working on. Where going with good guys, you have to get really physical. You have to get really aggressive just to be able to move some of these guys. So we're going with white belts. It's like it's not like a balls to the wall roll. It's more just like um, dominating technically. You know, like, let me just work my stuff and, you know, and I, I really try to give back to people who are starting this journey because I respect anyone who steps on the mat or steps into a cage because no one, ha most of the world would be terrified to do that. So the fact that you're out here, I don't care if you're a white belt, I respect you more than I do the black belt. So I'll, I'll try and help out as much as possible. And I'm also a very big believer in you can learn anything from anyone that i used to teach a kids wrestling program and like i'd catch myself like studying these kids and they'd be doing stuff that i'm like like what you do there you know like you could literally learn from anyone and uh i remember henzo gracie told me told me personally a story one time about like one of his best escapes he learned from a white belt and so when i learn when i roll white belts yeah i'm practicing but i'm also taking notes too and i'm also trying to help because when i was a white belt people helped me so yeah, I remember uh, when we first started, if I was rolling with a black belt, um, if they laid there like a fish and just let me do whatever I wanted, that really messed me up because <laughs> I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And two, all I knew how to do was react. So I was like, man, you need to start crushing me so I can <laughs> yeah. move around here or something. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> how, how do you approach rolling with higher belts? Because I know when it comes to like mm -hmm. us, uh, I don't know, maybe I get – um, not analysis paralysis, but I overthink, mm -hmm. right? If I get in a dominant position in my head, I'm like, did I get here because they let me or did I earn this? Should I go for a submission? How hard should I try? Like I kind of start overthinking the whole situation. How do you approach rolling with higher belts? Yeah, that, that's, you just, you described that perfectly because I, I, I try uh, not to do that. I try not to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
the first thing I don't want to do is overthink. I don't want to... If, if I catch a high-level guy with a submission, I don't want to act like... I don't even want to think anything. I don't want to be like, wow, like, am I as good as him now? Or, you know, like, blah, blah, yeah. I care less. And if he submits me, care less. You know what I mean? It's like if you really have to go in just being in the moment, you know, when you're going and just learn what's going on in the moment, right? It's like, uh, I, I have a lot of conversations, obviously with the room, like with Nikki Rod and Ethan and all them, everyone's gunning for them, right? Everyone is trying like, oh, if I can get a submission on one of these guys, then like, I can prove to myself that I'm getting better, you know, if I can just catch one of these guys. And then you, and then you always have that thought like, well, they're going as hard as they they could because it's the practice room would it be different in competition if i went against them and then you just start worrying about winning and losing rather than than just getting better and that was one of the best advice advices i've ever heard from a wrestler from iowa he's a world team member his name thomas gilman he said one of the differences between the olympic level athletes and like the college level level athletes is those high level guys they start to figure out and they start to learn that they care more about getting better better than they do winning and losing. That you should only just care about getting better. Like who cares if you lose or win, just get better. And so when I roll with these high level guys, that's all I'm thinking to myself is just get better. Like whether I win or lose has nothing to do whether I'm getting better. It's what am I taking away from the match? What am I, am I going home and thinking about what I did wrong? Am I going home and writing down the things I did right? You know, just focus on getting better when you roll with those better guys, right? Don't focus on trying to beat them. And I don't. Except for Nicky Rod. I try to crush that guy. And I do. <laughs> and I do. As much as possible. <laughs> as, as much as possible. Or should we call him Natty Rod? Natty Rod. There you go. That's right. <laughs> um, you mentioned something very interesting in that with the writing stuff down. Do you journal or do you reflect on your training? Uh, yes. I, um... I wasn't a big believer or fan in like writing stuff down. I didn't really do that in wrestling, but I do think jujitsu is a lot more technical than wrestling. Wrestling is a uh, wrestling is very technical, but it, you do realize Man, you're about to get some shade on that. Oh one. yeah, yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Wrestling is super technical, but there's a reason why it's a young man's game because it does rely a lot on speed, explosivity, strength. It does rely a lot on that. So does jujitsu. But there's just so many different positions in jiu-jitsu that have so many different paths that like branch out. So it's just so much technique, you know. It's like, especially when I got the B team, it's like uh, the amount of detail in the moves is ridiculous. Like, you know, like when I came to B team, I was like, you know, this, this is how you finish a rear naked choke, right? And they're like, well, actually, you know, you need to twist your spine this way while your chin comes down this way and this hand's going. Like, it's just so detailed. And it actually makes a difference. And so because it gets so detailed, I'm like, I need to write this shit down. Like, I can't re- I can't remember <laughs> what I did yesterday. And so I will come home. And for a while, I was writing down everything I did wrong at practice, everything I did right. Um, and I still do that every once in a while. I do that a lot now because I have my own class. And so I will take notes on all the guys when they're rolling and try to write down individual notes on everyone on what they were doing wrong with their wrestling and do stuff like that. Um, but... B team also has a bunch of cameras. So now that I'm a little closer with the guys, uh, you know, sometimes I can uh, look at the camera footage and dissect my own move, my own rounds just by watching film. 
um, and kind of see, like, yeah, I'm having trouble passing here. Why am I having trouble? So I'll write stuff down every once in a while if I'm really having a problem. How is promotions handled at, at B Team? Is it testing? Is it they just, when they feel you're ready for the belt, they give it to you? How is that all handled? Um, there's a transaction. Are you allowed to talk about that? No, no, you're good. There's a transaction <laughs> where you pay Craig a bunch of money and he'll, uh, he'll give you your belt right the there on the everywhere. spot. <laughs> smart, oh. smart. And then you can tap him on video too exactly. for in social media. <laughs> um, no, it, 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 it's, it's when they think you're ready. You know, um, when you come in, you sign in on a kiosk and it keeps count on uh, what days you go to practice and how many times you go to practice a week and how many days you're, you've been in that rank. There's like a system when you sign in, it keeps count of that. Um, but it also just depends on if you're getting, if you're getting better, if you're getting better, you're getting better, right? If you're out there crushing it in competition and, and beating everyone, you're going to get your belt faster. Um, and, and you're, your technique's getting better. So it really just comes down to, they think you're ready. How are you doing in competition? How's your technique? How are you rolling with them, with them when you do matches with them? You know, are you improving? So it really comes down to just their judgment, which obviously I trust. So I'll get my, I'll get my belt when I know I've deserved it. Do you have a good recovery routine? God, I Since wish. You're training so much. <laughs> yeah, he's 24. That's his recovery. Is that routine. it? You're just like I just go to bed and I wake up and I'm, and I'm fresh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's hard, man. Especially like I, uh, I will train Monday through Friday every day, and then I'll work on the weekends, and then I try and lift um, three days a week as well. And so even being 24, it becomes a lot, you know? And Oh, yeah. And it's just, especially when you're rolling with high-level world-class people every practice, like it's just a beating on your body. And what people don't realize, too, is I've been wrestling since fourth grade. So, like, believe it or not, I believe my body has more mileage than some of these instructor guys. Like Ethan Krillistan and Nicky Rod, Nicky Rod was a wrestler. People like Ethan and stuff, like they've not been doing jiu-jitsu for like eight years. You know what I mean? Like they're just really, really, really good. I'm, I'm eight years is still super long, but it's like, yeah, I have like eighteen years of just beating on my body, and so it's it the recovery. I just sleep, you know. I try and sleep. A, I sleep a lot whenever I'm not at work training. Because I, I was also hired as a full-time wrestler instructor at MMA gym. So I teach six classes um, at that gym, King's MMA, and I also teach classes at B-Team. So whenever I'm not teaching, rolling, or lifting, I am sleeping. Um, so I'd say sleep is my best recovery. I wish I had the money to go do, like, a ice baths and stem cell recovery. <laughs> that would be amazing. Maybe that day is coming in the near future. But... Uh, as far as what I can do now, I'd say just sleep and eat right. And creatine, uh, BCAA, stuff like that, I think helps. I, was I mean, steroids, you could always... So I don't take steroids, but... I was about to say, damn it! Uh, <laughs> I don't take steroids yet. <laughs> I was waiting for him. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And Trimble. I mean, it's legal in, in the sport, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, yeah, that's an interesting topic. So I think I definitely believe steroids is a massive advantage if you take it. You know what I mean? Like, if you take steroids, uh, I've heard, <laughs> not my personal experience, but I've heard, um, like, you just heal quicker. You heal way quicker than anyone else. Like, 
you can just do way more training sessions and, and you're not your body's not kicking yeah. down. So maybe when I'm older I'll uh I'll 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 try the secret sauce. You you never ran into anyone on the juice in, in your years of wrestling? That's a good question. Everyone asked me that. They're like I I didn't. Well, that Even you if you of. did, how would you know? Yeah, right? like, exactly. Like I, yeah. I, I think I did, but it was super rare because you have high school kids who their test is already through the roof, um, and it's like you, you do get tested in college. Um, they tested more for like weed and stuff like that than they did steroids. Um, really? Yes. Yeah. Mm. We'd, uh, we'd have random drug tests all the time, um, and. I, I, there's some people I thought were on steroids, but it's nowhere near, not even close to what it's like in jiu-jitsu. In jiu-jitsu, it's just like, it's just what everyone does. <laughs> I'd be like, everyone I lost to was on steroids. Yeah, that's, it, yeah, that's the difficult part. It's like every time you lose, you're like, yeah. well, shit, like, would I have won if I was on steroids? Because this guy is, you know? like Hey, right? it's, tr- it's true, though. But, hey, the, you know... The talk of steroids is big in the jiu-jitsu community right now, obviously, because the five people that just got, you know, three-year suspensions yeah. through the IBJJF. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I th- I think people have this this concept of steroids are going to make me better at jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. And yes and no. Like, I, I commented on uh, one of Nikki's, uh, Nikki Rod's posts a while ago when he was talking about on, you know, the Simple Man podcast about uh, steroids aren't going to make you better at jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Like, there's people in jiu-jitsu that are juiced to the gills that have never won a title, mm-hmm. that have never gone to ADCC, right? And, you know, I, I mentioned in the comments, like, steroids aren't going to change bad technique and your genetics. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you have terrible genetics, you're prone to injuries, right? Like, you're mus- you're physiologically just not very muscle-bound. Like, it's not going to – it's going to help you, but it's not going to change – who it's you like are a magic thing yeah yes. it's not like like boom i started taking trend <laughs> now i can win adcc you know what i mean yeah um how, how do you approach uh the whole situation like when you compete now like you know you mentioned like i lost to someone maybe he was on steroids like how how do you keep a level head thinking you know like it's it, it's out there but it, it's not going to be the end all be all factor yeah um i mean if i lose someone on steroids that's not kind of his loss i'm just like you know i won but um, <laughs> it's it's definitely a tricky subject because it's like th- there there's a loophole in there. It's like you don't get better at jujitsu when you take steroids, but you do to an extent because you can train way more. Right. You get better way faster. Like people I know that are on steroids, and then when they're not on steroids, like they're they're training three day three three times a day, and. They act like they're, they haven't even trained once that day. I mean, they're just always yeah. going. So if you can train three times a day, every day, you're going to get better at jiu-jitsu way faster than anyone else because you, you can right. put in that time, and you're only able to do it because you're taking steroids. And so it's um it, it's hard to think that, like, man, if I was on steroids, I could train more, I could get better faster. And, um, you know, so it, it's that's the thought that runs through your head. And especially when you lose, you're like, crap you know this guy was just freakishly strong and strength does play a factor when you go in there and you use your technique to move the guy and the guy doesn't move you're like oh shit like what do i do now you know and so and i've had matches with people like that and um it's my 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 philosophy what i tell myself 
all the time is all I need to see is one person get it done who's not on steroids, and that's all I need to see, right? Like, you look at the Rotolo brothers. I don't think they're on steroids, and they just won ADCC. So all I need to see is one person do it, and like William Tackett, the Tackett brothers. I don't think they're on anything, and you know they're he won William won trials. So if, if they can do it, then I can do it. You know, so it's going to be harder, and maybe it won't happen. But just by seeing someone able to do it, it makes me uh, it helps me with my own psyche of dealing with it. Like okay, well then it can be done. Maybe I'm just being um, you know a baby. You know. I wanted to say another it's word. It's always easier it. <laughs> when people say, just, just worry about you and not everybody else. Yeah, and life's a lot easier. Thing. Yep. So when, when you guys go out in public in Austin, downtown Austin, and you know, you're wearing your B team swag and stuff like that. And you see some like new wave guys, are you guys like ready to rumble in the street? Are you like snapping fingers, like, getting ready to like, it's like outsiders. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like the Crips and the Bloods. Like we have our own color. When we go out in public. <laughs> Uh, the B team, we're told we're only allowed to wear blue strings, and, and so, gotcha. And so, right. <laughs> um, I I haven't ran into that problem yet, but I'm waiting for the day because I like yeah. I'm not the type to like beef over over stuff like this. I I, I kind of like how the way Greg takes this whole uh, situation. It's like I'm just having fun with it, dude. I'm just I'm just glad to be a part of this, you know, like. Yeah. I'm having fun just seeing the banter go back and forth and seeing people take it so serious. So I've never ran yeah. into someone publicly. Um, it's funny. I run into B team guys all the time in public, but I never run into new wave guys. And, but I, I don't think there's as far as the whole team, there's as much beef as social media per, uh, uh, perceives, you know, like I feel like, I mean, I just went to a competition, um, a month ago, and, and New Wave was there. Like Gary Tonin, John Denneher, all them, all the New Wave team was there, and you know all the B team guys were there, and like everyone was pretty chill. Um, uh, there was no bullets flying anywhere, so <laughs> I was like, oh, "This is cool." You know, everyone's kind of chill, but you know, when it when it comes out, when it comes down to it, we're on the mat. You know, and the beefs may be a little bit there, but when we're off the mat. I, I haven't seen any real beef except between like those the two uh, top guys yeah. at the gym. Man, and it is hilarious. Let me tell you, I, I, every time Craig Jones posts something, I'm like, "Oh God, this it's is hilarious. This is this is gold. Yeah, this is gold." Yeah, so. I'm, I'm fortunate hey, enough. Hey. Go, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay, I was gonna say I'm I'm fortunate enough to like before Craig releases these funny videos and stuff. Like me and the guys, like we get to kind of see what he's about to put out before <laughs> to the public. So like. We'll all fear around. We're like, like, you're going to put that out there? And he's just like, 100%. And I'm just like, this is going to break the internet. This is going to be hilarious. And so. He's going to sell DVDs. That's all he's trying to do, right? Uh, the guy's a marketing genius. Like, it's just yeah, crazy. <laughs> so, John, you got anything else, man? Uh, got any advice for the new practitioners? <sighs> yeah. Take it one day at a time, I'd say. You know, take it one day at a time. It's real easy, especially if you're in a high-level room. It's real easy to compare yourself who's been doing it, compare yourself to someone who's been doing it for 15 years. You know, I see a lot of new guys, they compare themselves to these world-class guys. And it's like, well, yeah, they've been training for 20 years. This is your first practice, you know? And so to everyone who's getting into it, take it one day at a time. And the only person you should ever compare yourself to is yourself, you know? So if you do that, 
you'll have a lot uh, better experience in jiu-jitsu and you'll learn a lot faster. Well, Josh, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today. This is a hilarious conversation. It's good to see, uh, you know, people people making their dreams come true, moving to Austin, pursuing what they want, man. So I'm sure people will find a lot of inspiration in in your story and whatnot. If if people want to follow you and and see your story and your journey, where where can they follow you at? Um, I'm really big on Instagram right now. You can follow me at jdogbjj. That's J D A W G B J J. And so, yeah, I'm pretty hot on Instagram. And if you uh, are listening to this, he is the referee in the the Nikki Ryan uh, J Rod wrestling. Right. He, that that this that this that's who Josh is. Yeah, that, so if you're yeah. listening to this, you know, I was see famous it. after that video. I had some. I actually had like more people than I thought come up to me in public. You're like, hey, you're the ref. Really? Yeah. And I was like, wow, like people actually noticed me. And I'm actually probably going to ref Craig Jones' wrestling match coming up in the future. So uh, be looking that, out for that. There you go. Yeah, that's going to be great. I, I, made is, sure, uh, I made sure Craig's paid me a lot of money to make him win on that. So. I was about to say, is he, are we going to have another scene where you're getting paid in the corner of the stage? Yes, but a lot more than what J-Rock could pay me. <laughs> So, hey, uh, Josh, thank you so much, man, once again for coming on the show today. It uh, was a is a great conversation, a whole lot of good insight. Uh, John, you got anything else? No, nah, man, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. And uh, remember, no oil checks here. Oof. All right, guys. See you guys. Peace. Thank you.